The gospel reading this morning is from St. Luke chapter 1, verses 39 through 56, and can be found in the Pew Bible on page 1588. At the time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice, she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is this child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. He has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will be called or will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he had promised our ancestors. Now Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months, and then she returned home. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Last week I asked if you're ready for Christmas yet. This week I'm going to ask and make a declarative here. Today is the last Sunday before Christmas. Are you getting excited? Yeah? Oh, David is? All right. We got some little guys over there. That's a pretty exciting time. I want you to think for a moment. Of course, opening presents is exciting. Right, David? Yeah. But besides that, what are some of the family traditions that are in your mind right now? Or, or, or visit, pull that file out. 
and just take a look at it. What are some of the family traditions that you had growing up, assuming that you are grown up? What do you do now? Can you think of those? Do they bring a smile? It involves family, doesn't it? In my memory, and I'm no longer young, but I'm certainly not old, but in my memory, it always involved family. It always involved either going to my grandma and grandpa's ranch in Northern California or heading over the bridge into San Rafael to see my aunt and uncle, or they would come to our house in a little town called Moraga. We were not a small family. At any one gathering, there would be at least 25 people. And I did the math a long time ago, and, and, and were we all to get together today, I'd still be at the kids' table. But we had a great time at the kids' table. How about you? Some of the things that we did, visiting with my cousins, playing games, card games, uh, it was just, it was wonderful family. And it's appropriate that we have this in our, in our reading this morning from the gospel, a visual of family. We see that Mary, after being told by the angel Gabriel that she was going to have a baby and that she was going to name him Jesus, it's an awful lot for a young girl, a virgin who was promised in marriage. And the first thing she did was to get up and go to see her cousin, her relative Elizabeth, and to tell her the good news. And then in the illustration of the gospel, Elizabeth, who is also expecting a baby, we hear that she heard Mary's greeting and the child leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth, it says, was filled with the Holy Spirit. A couple things that that tells me. The Holy Spirit has always been and will always be. And the Holy Spirit came upon Mary and upon Elizabeth. And the Holy Spirit, by default, came upon John, Elizabeth's son. John the Baptist, a man born of woman, none greater, Jesus said. The man who baptized Jesus and said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. That tells me that, yes, the Holy Spirit can come upon a little baby, and little babies can have faith. More on that later. Elizabeth gave a glad cry. She was happy. And so we see through this gospel that the beginning of the Christmas story was an event that was shared with family. I'm assuming and hoping that you are spending time with family and friends, those you love the most, to celebrate the birth of Jesus. I pray that this would be a time that would be uh, filled with the Spirit. The Holy Spirit first, but if there's other spirits, that's okay. We're Lutherans, and we can do that. But pointing to Jesus, the reason for the season, may that be always in the forefront of our minds as we celebrate together. Give thanks for the family that God has given you. These are truly good times. These are truly good times. I want to leave you with three points on this 
sermon. The first point is that out of low places came the Most High. Jesus came from humble beginnings, born in humbleness into a food trough, right? He was laid in a, a well, the manger is what they call it, but he was where the, where the animals were eating from. Why? Why would God send his beloved into that? Well, I should think it's because it lends more credibility. It lends itself to more relatability. One who came from humbleness, humility, meager, mild, tender. We can relate to that. If he'd been born in a palace with a golden spoon or the silver spoon or whatever, would we be able to relate to him? I couldn't. We might think that that was the prerequisite. You had to come from wealth in order to be saved. But no, he came out of a low place. The other thing it makes me think is that this world needs to humble up. Second point. We have been made holy through Jesus. This is the part where I tell you what Jesus has done for you. We know that at this season that Jesus, sometimes you'll hear, Jesus came to die. He was born to die. And yes, that's partially accurate. He came to rescue you and me. He came to point you and I to the Father. He came to pay a bill that we could not pay. Prior to Jesus in the Old Testament, we know that the law required a blood sacrifice of an animal. And it only lasted so long. And then they had to do it again. I said to you before, you think the services are long now? If I had to sprinkle some blood, you guys, it would take a lot longer than it does in an hour and minutes. But, the, but that, that, that animal, nobody asked him, hey, is it cool if, you know, you sacrifice your life for the sins of everybody, you know? No, they didn't ask it. It wasn't willing. And it had to be done over and over. Jesus was not only willing, but he was able. He was a king, is the king. He is the priest, the last of the priests. A priest without sin. You see, there's the big difference between the priest and me and you and making sacrifices. We're still sinners, so we are sacrificing for our own sins. Jesus sacrificed, and he had no sin. He was the last priest. And he said it was okay, or as I said, cool, to take your place on that cross to pay a bill that you and I could never pay on our own. 
The other part of what he did was it was acceptable to the, to the Father, to God the Father. Yes, this is a righteous, righteous fulfillment of my law. Because God can't look on sin, right? He can't be in the presence of sin, right? So through his son, his son who was without sin, we hear over and over and over again, but it matters. He says, he became sin for us. All the sin of the world came upon him in that horrible moment when he cried out, Father, why hast thou forsaken me? God had to turn his back from his son because he couldn't look upon that sin We know how else it went. That eventually he submitted to death. He was born to die. Willingly. Not spitting insults to those that insulted him. Not taking retaliation. He went and he fulfilled his purpose. He was born to die. But we also know that on the third day, he was resurrected. And therefore, death has no sting. The price was paid. We have been given his holiness by what he did once and for all by the offering that Jesus gave us. Once and for all. That's what he did for you. Okay. Kind of a downer for Christmas, you know, talking about him being nailed on the cross, dying and all that stuff. But that's what he did for you and me, and you and I needed it more than we need air to breathe or food to eat. And the other part, the last part, third point, is he didn't just do it and just like, now he's like hanging out in heaven going, yes, yes, yes. They are awful. He's not watching passively. He's here. The Holy Spirit is in you. Jesus is present in this place right now. He walks with you wherever you go. He has covered you in his grace, in his righteousness. Hey, Pastor, why do you wear a dress? Whoa, there's quite a segue. Well, let me tell you, it's not a dress, <laughs> but it's white, and it signifies, symbolizes that I am covered in Christ's righteousness. Underneath here, I got a black shirt on that indicates to all who see, I'm a sinner in need of a Savior just like you. But just like you, when I was baptized in the water, I died, as Paul says, a death like Jesus. And I rose out of that water in a resurrection like Jesus. And from that day on, the Holy Spirit resides in me and in you. And therefore, there is no more condemnation. Though the devil will say, hey, Ken, remember in the fifth grade? Nah, let's not go any further than that. The devil may be pointing at you during this time, even with family. Hey, 
if they only knew. And this is what you say. Oh, you know my past, devil? I know your future. And it's down there. My future has been secured in my baptism. And by what my Savior did on that cross for me. In the name of Jesus, amen.